he actually started off with God at a very young age. He was a leader. He led God's people. And then within that time, he excelled tremendously. He did extraordinary things that glorifies God. And so I want you to pay attention. I want you to really, really be, listen to this now. Many times the problem that we have is that you have a problem, but you don't know the way out of the problem. Praise God. And then we come to church. God is revealing the way out of the problem, and yet we don't pay attention. We don't understand how to get out of our problems. God who knows and have the secret as to how we should get out, we don't pay attention to him. Praise God. So I really want you to pay attention this morning because there are things that I'm going to point out by the special grace of God that will help you, that will change the trajectory of your lives. Praise the name of the Lord. Look at the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 27. It's just nine verses of this particular text. 2 Chronicles 27. We're looking at a man by the name of Jotham. Praise God. The Bible says Jotham was 25 years old. How old was he? How old was he? So if you are 25, trust me, you are a young adult. Can you imagine he was living at the age of 25? Praise God. The Bible says, and he, he began to reign at this age, and he reigned 60 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jerushash, the daughter of Zodak. Praise God. So from 25 years, he reigned for 60 years. So he reigned until he became what? 85 years. So 60 years in leadership. 60 good years he reigned with God. How? There's a secret behind it. Praise God. Look at verse 2. The secret is this. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Do you see that there? This young man did that which was right in the sight of God. He did that which was right in the presence of God. He did that which was right, fearing God, obeying God, respecting God. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Praise God. According to all that his father Uzai did. Praise God. Howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did yet corruptly. Verse 3. He built the high gates. Take note of the victory of this man. His achievement. Praise God. He built the high gate of the house of the Lord, and on the wall of Ophel he built much. Verse 4. Moreover, he built cities. Do you see that there? He built cities in the mountains of Judah and in the forest. Take note now. He built castles and towers in the forest. He built what? Castles and towers. He fought also with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. He won battles. He fought with the enemies and he was victorious. And the children of Ammon, take note, they gave him the same year an hundred talent of silver and ten thousand measure of wheat and ten thousand of barley. So much did the children of Ammon pay unto him. I will explain that to you why. Pay unto him both the second year and the third. So verse 6 now, very, very important. This is the springboard. 
so Jotham became mighty. He became mighty. He became what? Mighty. Because there's a reason why he became mighty. Not because he was smart. He was intelligent. Not because he has money. Not because he knows the in and out. He became mighty. There's a reason. Became mighty because he prepared his ways before his God. You see that there? He prepared his ways before the Lord his God. He prepared his life before Almighty God. Now the rest of the act of Jotham and all his wars, praise God, and his ways, both his wars and his ways, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And he was five and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixty years in Jerusalem. And Jotham slept with his fathers, praise God, and they buried him in the city of David, and Azar, his son, reigned in his stead. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's, let's, let's begin to take some details about this man. Let's begin to look at his life. Not just the legacy, but what led to his legacy, his achievement. Praise God. So as we looked at this topic, topic preparation for excellence, there is a way to excellence. You don't just jump overnight and excel. Praise God. You don't just uh, 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 um, bypass principles, rules, and regulations that have been made. Praise God. You don't just survive or succeed, you know, unexpectedly. No. Success doesn't come in an unexpected way. Success, prosperity, excellence has to be what? Planned. There are principles to those things. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, looking at this particular man, the Bible says in verse 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Messiah did. If you look at verse 6, he says, so he became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now let me let you know this. This man prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Praise God. Now it was not an accidental relationship between himself and God. No. You understand what I'm saying? His relationship with God was not accidental but intentional. Praise God. It's not like, oh, he was serving God because they, they, they forced him to serve God. Hey, they forced me to come to church. They forced me to pray. They forced me to sing. They forced me to fast. They forced me to study the Bible. Oh, I don't want to do this. The pastor said we must do this. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, my dad says, my mom says, oh, because, you know, I belong to this particular tribe or this religion. No. It was not under duress. It was not under pressure. The man, the Bible says in verse 6, the Bible says he prepared his ways, his ways before the Lord is God. How? Not accidental, not incidental, but intentional. Praise God. It was not accidental, it was not incidental, but it was intentional. Praise God. Hallelujah. In other words, he settled in his heart. He settled in his heart. He has this unwavering decision, unwavering decision that he was going to prepare his way before the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. He wasn't a casual Christian. Hallelujah. He wasn't just a casual Christian. He said, you know what? They said we should fast today, so that's why I'm fasting. But I did not believe that they said you should fast. You never fast. Praise God. 
Oh, you know, somebody drag me to church and then I just showed up and God also just showed up for me. That is mercy. That's not what we're talking about. Hallelujah. So this young man, the Bible says, wasn't a casual Christian. He was not a social believer. He was not a social believer. Praise God. Hallelujah. He doesn't serve God based on circumstances. Or you know, I'm going to church because I have a problem. He wasn't serving God based on necessity. Oh, because I need to be healed because I'm sick. Oh, God. You look at my circumstances and you see my heart. Oh, God. That is why I come to you that you heal me. I come to you that you deliver, that you provide. No, that was not the reason. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says the man, the man prepared for everything with God. And you look at one thing that I discovered. The Bible didn't mention that he prepared to prosper. Did you get it? Prosperity was not mentioned there. Praise God. The Bible didn't say, oh, the man was looking out for ways and means and technique of five principles to prosperity, nine uh, rules and regulations for excellence or victory above the uh, poverty or victory above demonic attack. No, that was not the case. The man's vision and focus was God-centered. He was passionate about God. He was sincere about God, about the ways of God, the will of God. He was humble before God. He loved God. He cares about the things of God more than the things of this world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Because look at verse 2. Verse 2 make it clear. If you look at verse 6, verse 6 says, So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. But how does this preparation come about? When you look at verse 2 down to verse 3, 4, 5, you see the preparation. You see what happened. Praise the name of the Lord. Beloved, let me say this to you. God is a good God. God is a faithful God. But God is looking out for those whose hearts are perfect towards him. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This man had a plan. And his plan was to do the will of God. Not because, oh, he returned. If I do the will of God, God in return will bless me. No, he wasn't doing that. That was not the theory for him. His mindset was centered on God. He was well organized. He had his priorities aright. And you know what I discovered when I was studying this account? I realized that he took the standard of Genesis chapter 1. He prepared himself before the Lord is God. Preparation is very, very relevant in our lives, in every area. If you don't prepare for an exam, obviously you're going to fail. If you don't prepare for marriage, you're going to fail in the marriage. If you don't prepare for your traveling, you might not go at all. You might miss your flight or maybe miss your destination. Hallelujah. If you don't prepare for the business, you'll be, be struck down with some unexpected issues that will, that will cause that thing to collapse. We must be prepared. Preparation is key for excellence. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. So even God, look at the Genesis theory, while he was creating the universe, the Bible says the very first thing that he did, the Bible says, let there be light. When the spirit of God move upon the face of the deep. The Bible didn't say God began to call the animals to come forth. He didn't, he didn't begin to call all the galaxies to come forth. No. God was well prepared. Everything was structured. Everything was organized. He knew very well that if all the animals will come and there is still darkness, there will be chaos. He knew very well if he had created man first, there would have been no food. Because the Bible says in Genesis that the earth was without form and void, and what? Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So what did God do? The very first thing was to put things 
in place, standard, principle, structure, construct, system. So the very first thing that God knew to be done was what? Light. Let there be light. And that light was not the moon and the stars. Oh. That was his presence. First and foremost, his presence. Praise God. It was after that light, the presence of God, that lightened the world. That light is Jesus according to St. John chapter 1. Right? Then the Bible says God said, let there be what? The moon and the stars and all these things that came. Because, listen, there was light before the sun. There was light before the moon. There was light. And what is that light? The presence of God. So the presence of God was much more important. So this man, Jotham, he got it right. He realized that if I'm going to prepare myself to excel, the first thing that I need is God. The first thing or person that I need is God. Praise God. I need his presence that any other thing, without the presence of God, things will work for me. So he, the Bible says, prepared his ways before the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at the characteristics of God himself. The Bible refers to God in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, that he is a God of orderliness. Praise the name of the Lord. Everything is in, in line with his word. Hallelujah. He makes sure that everything that he does, there is not a single thing that God will do that you will have to correct or fix. He said, God, you didn't do it well. Let me make it, uh, make it right. There's nothing that God will do that you will have to correct. Praise the Lord. So looking at this young man, the Bible says he prepared his ways before the Lord. Hallelujah. In other words, based on the context, the victory that he had is based on verse 6. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's take a little bit of a tour and let's see the entire text and let's see what he did. Now go to verse, verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That's the first thing. He needed God. He ought to please God. His focus was on God. He was God-centered. He was a God-lover. He was a God-pleaser. We'll get to that. He was obedient to God. He cherished God so much to the extent that God was the very first priority of his life. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Not for people, but for God. God first, people comes after he was not a man's pleaser. He was a God pleaser. Look at it. He says, according to all that his father Uzziah did, how it he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did yet corruptly. Now, at this particular time, this is something that if you, you might not get it until I, I explain to you. If, you. if you study the Bible carefully, this very same book of Chronicles, the book of Kings and Chronicles, you discover that his dad is Uzziah, his own father. The father of Jotham is Uzziah. This man served the Lord also. He was faithful, but at one time he messed up at the end. The Bible says he went into the house of the Lord and tried to make offering as a priest, and he was not a high priest. And that was how he got leprosy. When he entered into the presence of the Lord, unprepared, and he has no right as a king to have done that, he got leprosy. Now the Bible says he did not do that. Look at it. The Bible says habit. He entered not into the temple of the Lord. He did not do the wrong thing that is that deep. Did you get it now? So listen to this, beloved. If you are to excel, make sure you don't get to do what others may have done wrong. Even if they are your forefathers, your parents, avoid the pitfalls that your bishop fell into. Avoid the pitfalls that your dad, all the errors that they made, the mistakes that they made, don't make those mistakes. 
Oh, my dad was a drunkard, so if I'm a drunkard, what's wrong about that? Everything is wrong about it. Oh, my dad was a womanizer, so if I'm a womanizer, is there any problem? There's a lot of problem about it. Oh, my mom actually, she, she had several kids with different, different uh, uh, men. And so afterwards, uh, if, I'm, uh, if I'm doing the same thing, is that a problem? There's a great problem, a lot of problems. Don't try to tread on the path, destructive path, deadly path, sinful path where others have trodden upon. Separate yourself so that you will not be a victim like they were. Praise God. So the Bible says he did not do the thing that his dad did. However, he did that which was right according to the thing that his dad did according to God's word. So look at this carefully. Look at the, look at the, 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 the verse. <laughs> look at the verse. <laughs> Let me show you something again. He says, I'll read it again. He says, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Uzai did. So which means that the right thing that his dad did, he did also. Praise God. But then how be that is however, that's the other language there. How be it, he what? Entered not into the temple of the Lord. That is another thing that his dad did which was wrong and he did not. So you copy the right thing and you make sure you don't do the wrong things. Learn the good things from good people and the bad ways of the bad people or the wrong things that even the good people may have done, don't do them. Praise God. Number three, he built the eye gates of the house of the Lord and on the wall of Ophel he built much. Do you see that? The man built the house eye gates of the Lord. Can I ask you a question? Assess your life and query yourself, your relationship with God. Do it through integrity and ask yourself, what have you done for the Lord? Many of us, when it comes to the things of God, it's a burden. It's all we have to pay bills. Hey! You see, I don't like when I come to church, they talk about money or they talk. Listen, this man excel in life because he was God-centered. He was a God-lover. Not only that, he cared for the things of God, the house of God. Are you concerned about the house of God? Are you concerned about the church? Are you concerned about what is going on? Are you concerned about the leadership? Are you concerned about the finance? Are you concerned about the children in the church? Are you concerned about the widows in the church? Are you concerned about the women in the church? Are you concerned about the growth of the church? Are you concerned about the spiritual atmosphere of the church? Are you concerned about anything that is going on in the church? What are you building? Or the question is, what are you investing upon that has to do with the church of God, the house of God? Many of us are so self-centered and that we don't care. Yeah, I just go to church. All that I will do is just to go after service. I go back home. Whatever is going on there, it doesn't concern me. Why? The Bible says why your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You have not invested in the things of God, so whatever is happening here doesn't concern you. You get what I mean? You understand me, right? If you have 30,000 invested in this church, anything goes wrong, you come and ask me, Pastor, something and uh, look at what is going on in this. Let, let's say for instance now, you're the one that bought all these keyboards and you see brother Michael drop the keyboard bye! You, where you are sitting, your heart will be, ah, this man don't you know that this thing that we bought is expensive why? Even though it's of the Lord and, and, and you've given it all to the Lord but because of what it cost you you are concerned about it 
What is it that is in the house? What is it that has to do with the kingdom of God, the house of God that concerns you? What have you contributed? Praise God. Now let's continue. He built the high gates, praise God, of the house of the Lord. It is up there, verse 4. He says, moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah. Can you imagine this? This man was building cities in the mountains, not in the valleys. Most cities are in the, uh, in the valleys. Praise God. But for, go, for you to go and build cities up in the mountain is going to cost you more. You know what it takes to go up there? Hallelujah. The resources, the investment, the cost. Praise the name of the Lord. The question is, what have you done? So the man was serving both the house of God and he was taking care of the cities in the city. The Bible says he built cities in the mountains of Judah and look at it again. In the forest he built castles and towers. In the forest. In the forest. In the deepest deep he will go there and still succeed. Now take note now. Take note. There are three things, three places that are mentioned here. Number one, the very first place that was mentioned is what? No. You missed that. The house of the Lord, thank you. The temple. Number two. No. Yes. The city, yes. Number three. Again, number one. The house of the Lord, number two. The city, number three. One more time. Uh-huh. And praise God. Hallelujah. The, the Bible says also, that look at this now, look at this. He goes also into the forest. Into the forest. So you see three major areas that are very important for you to excel. You excel in the house of the Lord. You excel in the mountain. You excel where? In the forest. Praise God. That has to do with the three dimensions of our spiritual life. Our relationship with God our relationship with others in the city, and our spiritual victory in the forest. So the man could conquer everywhere he goes. Everywhere he goes, he could prosper. Everywhere he goes, he was victorious. He was victorious spiritually. He was victorious relationally. He was also victorious in the realm of the spirit against the forces of darkness. He was the head here and there. He was conquering here and there. He was not a coward. He did not fail. Why? Because the man prepared for his victory. He prepared for this. Praise God. There are places that you won't succeed if you are not prepared for. There are things you will not achieve. As I was saying, considering the cost to build cities in the mountains, considering what it takes to go in the forest, to go build what? Look at what he built there. Castles. Castles are not cheap. They are very expensive. That means that this guy was wealthy. He was prosperous. Right? He was excelling. Not just castles, but towers. Like what you are, you are calling skyscrapers now. Praise God. So these are all these eye-rise or skyscrapers that you see. These things actually, actually started from the Bible. So this man was, he was a real estater. He had money. He had wealth. He excelled both with God and with man. It's like what the Bible says concerning uh, 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 Jacob. That he was victorious both with God and with man. Praise the name of the Lord. So the Bible says that he built, he built, he built, he built. Praise God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. He built, he built, and he built. Praise God. The very first thing that he built was gate. The next thing that he built was a city. The third thing that he built was what? Castles and what? Towers. You see that? So you, the location is one. But also, what do you do in that location? Are you building? Are you a builder or are you a breaker? He built what? Gates for the Lord. He built what? Cities. Hallelujah. In mountains. And he built what? Castles and what? Towers. The guy was a builder. You see, <laughs> when we talk about true prosperity, don't tell me I just bought a Mercedes Benz. That's ordinary. Anyone can buy a Mercedes Benz. True prosperity is when you lay a foundation. Not only that, you also have a legacy. Not only that, praise God, that even when you pass away, your legacy continues. That is real prosperity. Hallelujah. So this man could go anywhere and still succeed. He could go anywhere and still build whatever he wants to build. Can you take such venture to go wheresoever? Go to the mountains, go to the temple, the house of the Lord, and go to the forest and still build whatever you ought to build. I say, oh, pastor, everything seems to be difficult. There are some places I will not, I will not be able to make it. No, no, no. This man is succeeded in the house of the Lord. He succeeded on top of the mountain with cities, built cities. He also succeeded in the forest. Difficult places. Difficult terrain. These are, the, these are, are the, the will of God for our lives. The will of God is that we, we, we must prosper spiritually. We must excel in the things of God. We must be victorious when he talks about the things of God. When he also talks about physical achievement. Praise God. When he talks about social development, when he talks about academic uh, uh, achievement, achievement in every area, God wants us to, to prosper holistically in every area. Your Christian life is not just for you to be spiritual. Let me, let me reveal this to you. Who you know, I, I, I don't care about the world. All that I want is just to be born again. As long as I'm Holy Ghost filled. You're Holy Ghost filled, but you don't have a time to put, put, put uh, food on your plate for your children. That Holy Ghost filled that you're talking about, the Holy Ghost is saying, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Oh, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm sanctified. I'm sanctified by the grace of God. You are sanctified by the grace of God, but you're still begging your bread. But you are sanctified by the grace of God. Was it not the savage David that says, since I was young and I'm old, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his he beg his bread. Was it not Peter that said, Master, we've come to follow you. We've abandoned everything. What can we get? Or what are we going to achieve in return? And Jesus said, whoever had left houses, land, wives, and this and that, you will receive in this world a hundredfold year. And also in the world to come. Praise God. Do you know that when God called someone, the very first thing that he will do is to bless them. When God called Abraham, the next thing that he does for him was bless. He blessed him. And I will show you all of that as we go. Praise God. My point to you today is this. What is it that you want to become in this life? How far do you want to go? 
What do you want to achieve? Beloved, I want to assure you, if you are at the center of God's will, God will cause it to happen for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. This man entered in and built the temple. Praise God. This man, he built walls. He built cities on top of mountains. Praise God. He built castles and towers in forests. He fought battles. He fought battles and he was victorious. Praise God. Against the children of Ammon. Now, if you look at that particular account, verse 5, the Bible says, He fought also with the king of the Ammonites, praise God, and prevailed against them. Now, these people, these very same Ammonites were the ones that embarrassed his father. There was a time when these people, take note now, they were so much against his dad to the extent that the dad has to go pay. He has to pay them. He has to bribe them. To, the, to one point, he got into the temple of the Lord, taking wealth from the house of the Lord to give to these people, according to the word of the Lord. Praise God. But look at what happened now. Now, in this case, when he came, because he prepared for what was going to happen, he prepared himself before the Lord. This time, you know what happened? After he conquered the Ammonites, he was demanding from them two complete years. You know what he was taking? He was getting back double for what they took from his dad. They were paying back double. Hallelujah. They were paying much more than they took from his dad. In other words, may I say this to you? That which your father have lost, you will recover in the name of Jesus. In your own time, you will restore all the years that the cankerworm, the locust, the caterpillar, the palmerworm has eaten in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That which your generation may have lost, when you take your rightful position and you prepare yourself before the Lord, you know what's going to happen? You will recover all. You remember David? When he acquired from the Lord, the very same David again, acquired from the Lord, he went in the midst of trouble when others were weeping and mourning, he went to God. He wept and then he encouraged, the Bible says he encouraged himself and inquired of the Lord, shall I go, shall I pursue? The Lord says, yes, go pursue. He said, you will surely overtake and you will recover, not some, not few, but he says you will recover. This guy went ahead and recovered all. The battle that his dad could not win, he won the battle. The things that his dad gave as a form of bribery to the enemies, he recovered three times. The Bible says two consecutive years, read the account, two consecutive years, they were paying back what they took from his dad. So he became mighty. The reason is because he prepared his ways before the Lord, his God. He prepared his ways before the Lord, his God. Praise the name of the Lord. May I say this to you. Preparation is very, very, very important. Preparation is very, very important. Let me give you some advantages of preparation. When you are prepared, or when you are organized, that's another word for preparation. When you are organized, you have things in place. A lot of things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to avoid conflict. If you were prepared in life, you avoid a lot of conflict, unnecessary battles. You're going to avoid. Number two, you're going to be able to eliminate a lot of mistakes. You'll be able to eliminate a lot of mistakes when you are prepared in life. Praise God. 
When you are prepared, you're going to have clarity. You're going to have clarity. You have a clear sense of direction. You know where you're going. Like today when I woke up, I was prepared. Praise God. I had to do all that I have to do. I was prepared. And I got into the car. I didn't miss my way because I know where I was heading to. I know where I'm going to. Praise God. I know I was heading to Toronto and I know I'm coming to church. So I won't go the opposite direction. No, I'm prepared for this. Many of us are not prepared for what life is going to unfold upon us. And so we have been taken by surprise. And as a result, you are confused. You feel disappointed. And you are angry. You say, but God, why? Why? You were not prepared. Be prepared. Remember those days when we were in uh, primary school world in scouting. We joined scouting. The, the, the motto is BP. Be prepared. You must always be ready. Almost, I mean, always be prepared for the expected. So when you are prepared, you're going to have clarity in life. You're going to eliminate mistakes. You're going to avoid conflict. Number four, you're going to manage yourself to avoid losses. You'll be able to manage yourself to avoid losses. Praise God. A lot of people have lost a lot of things, very important things. Why? Because they were not prepared for what they were going through. Hallelujah. Things happen. And then unexpectedly, they were not prepared. And so they have to mortgage some things out, sow some things out, or make certain decisions, take certain risk, go borrow here, and try to dig. They, they call it dig all and cover all. Why? They encounter a lot of losses. Why? Because they were not prepared. Praise God. When you are prepared, you are going to be able to deal with unnecessary labor. Unnecessary labor. There are some things you ought not to be laboring for. You don't have to sweat. You don't have to break your head. I remember, I'll never forget, I learned one incident that I'll never forget. This thing happened to me at one time. I traveled with my van. I was going to go pick up another car previously at the place where I was living, right? So I had a van, and then this car that was there, it was working. I actually wanted to sell it. So I, I didn't know how to bring that car over, and I didn't have somebody to go with me. So I was like, okay, let me go, and I'll use the UO thing, and I'll try to bring the car. So when I got there, and I realized, wow, at the back of my car, I don't have, I think they call it inch or something, or inches or something, that you have to connect at the back of the car, so that they'll fix the UO thing there, the carriage, so that you'll be able to drive your car, and pull it, and bring it wherever you want to. So I realized I didn't have it. So I, want, I had to go to this particular guy, and this guy told me, he says, it's going to cost me about almost $3,000. I was like, really? Just to buy that thing? He says, I'm serious. He said, that's the least I will help you. And I was confused. I said, am I going to leave this car here? I drove all the way, how many hours? And now this guy is telling me this thing is going to cost $3,000. I wasn't prepared for that. In fact, I didn't know how I was going to bring that car. I thought I was just going to go and then grab it and the U-Haul thing. And I didn't know I have to have a specific thing behind at the back of the car that that thing is going to get hooked upon. I was confused. I wasn't prepared. $3,000. And then I went to a, a, a mechanic store and I, I asked this guy, I said, excuse me, do you have anything or any way that which you can help me to get this thing done? And the guy says, I'm telling you, he said that, in fact, he told me it's going to cost me about $3,800. He said, but I have a way out. This is the guy now who is a mechanic who knows what to be done. I am ignorant about it. I have no idea. 
He said, let me tell you. He said, go down this road. He said, there's a scrap here there. He said, when you get to that scrap here, he said, tell them that I sent you to get so and so and so part. If it is available, tell them to give it to you and then you will pay the amount. And I was shocked. And I got to the scrap here. What would have cost me $3,000 cost me $500. So, I wasn't prepared for $3,000 and I was ignorant about the whole thing. But the guy that has knowledge about the thing sent me to a scrap here. The thing cost me $500. And I brought it to him. He fixed it for me for $250. And at the end, everything cost me about, what, $750. That which would have cost me $3,000 or $3,000 something. Now let me tell you this. If you are not prepared for certain things, it will cost you unnecessarily, but not only that, you will pay extraordinary price. You will pay extraordinary price for it. A lot of people have suffered a lot in this life for certain things that they ought not to have suffered for. Praise God. Hallelujah. These are the reasons why we need to be well informed. We should educate ourselves, inform ourselves. Because there are certain things that ought not to cost you a dime. But if you don't know, trust me, you're going to pay for it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember somebody came to Canada for the first time. And this person was just ironing all his shirt, all his pants. And then we're like, we got to go. What are you doing? He says, I want to make fast to make sure I do everything before the light goes off. And then we all laugh. <laughs> we were laughing. We're like, where do you think you are? You are in Canada, my friend. We don't have this blackout like you used to have back there. Forget about this thing. Come on, let's go. We are getting late. But ignorant. He thought he has to do all his pants, straighten up, iron everything, so that in case the light goes up. Ah, no, not in Canada. That doesn't exist. Blackout, except otherwise. But we don't have that here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, you must be prepared not only that we must inform ourselves, educate ourselves, so that you'll be able to eliminate unnecessary labor. When you are prepared, you'll be able also to deal with fear. Fear. Because already you know what you're going to face, number one, number two. You have a mind that is made up, praise God, so you're not going to be surprised. It's like someone that has an exam and then you know very well what the questions ought to be on the text and then you've read through and through. So if you see the question, you're not going to, oh my goodness, you're not going to have heart attack in the midst of the exam, not because you've already are prepared for it. It eliminates fear. When you are not prepared, you are always afraid. You are always in confusion. Hallelujah. Preparation will lead to effectiveness. Preparation will lead to effectiveness. You'll be effective in whatever you are doing because you're prepared for it. Preparation will lead to easy result. Easy result. Easy result. Preparation will eliminate stress. It will eliminate stress. Oh, I'm so stressed. Oh, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are stressed because you are not prepared for it. Preparation eliminates stress. When you are organized, you will have a clear sense of direction, focus. Praise God. You become productive. You become productive. You will increase easily. In other words, you will make easy progress 
when you are prepared. Hallelujah. Preparation also enhances your faith. You believe God for what you've known. You study the word. You realize what God is capable of doing. So you are prepared for whatever you're going to face because you know that God is able. God is able. He will help. He will see you through. So whatever you face, you are, you are bold enough. That is why the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong. They shall do exploit. The reason why a lot of people are not strong is because they don't know what God can do. They are not doing exploit because they don't know what God can do. I know God is. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It increases your faith. Hallelujah. It leads to open doors for excellence. Preparation leads to open doors for excellence. Preparation empowers you. In other words, it brings you courage. So bring it on. I'm ready for this. It's like that guy that has been training to go face an enemy, you know, to compete. Hallelujah. You're prepared, you, 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 you built your muscle, you're ready for the battle. Say, are you ready? Are you ready? Say, yes. Go. You're ready to fight. Why? Because you are prepared. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Preparation will restrain your enemies. There are certain things you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to even cons or talk with your enemies. As soon as they see, they know that this one. Do you know that the devil works with the power and the influence of ignorance? The Bible says, my people are destroyed because of what? Lack of knowledge. That is Hosea 4, 6, right? So that is what he does. He uses that level or, or that, that uh, aspect of ignorance as a leverage. So he always comes through that and attack. But if you are well equipped, you are well informed, that will restrain your enemies. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And let me say this to you, beloved. As children of God, God wants us to be prepared. Prepared for everything in every area of our lives. Even for his coming. Prepared spiritually. Prepared. The Bible talks about, uh, about be ready. Be ready. You know not the day, not the hour when the Lord doth come. Be ye ready. That is be prepared. Hallelujah. And so as we talk about excellence, we must also be prepared spiritually. We must be prepared personally. We must be prepared emotionally. We must be prepared in every area of our lives. Let's go to verse 6. Verse 6 of our text. 2 Chronicles chapter 27, verse 6. It says, so Jotham became mighty. It was not an overnight thing. He became mighty. Why? Because he prepared his ways before the Lord. How many years does it take for him to prepare the ways, his ways before the Lord? We don't know. Sometimes the years of preparation will take you longer than you ever thought about. Remember Jesus spent 30 good years preparing what was to come. 30 good years. And the, the job itself was done in 3 years. He spent, can you imagine? Someone only spent 33 years upon the face of the earth and impacted the entire world. Till today and unto eternity. Three years mission. He spent 30 years preparation. So you see, the years of preparation are much more than the years of the victory. So that is what you should be paying attention to. Many of us want to just step on the platform overnight. We want God to use us overnight. We want to have a voice overnight. We want to perform miracles overnight. We want to become mighty overnight. We want to be victorious overnight. You don't care about the prize. You don't care about what it takes. It's, ah, forget it. Forget out. Ah, I don't need all of that. All these protocols, all these rules, all... Listen, you will end up becoming a magician. 
you end up becoming a manipulator. You end up becoming a deceiver, a liar, because it takes a matter of time. Even though you may have the gift, the gift will suit you up, but your character will bring you down if you are not prepared. Praise God. Now, when we talk about preparation, let's look at a few details as to how we ought to prepare ourselves. Look at verse 2. Details on how to prepare, how to prepare yourself. Verse 2. How did he prepare himself? He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. That is how you prepare. You prepare yourself by living right, doing right, live an obedient life that glorifies God. He did that which was right in the sight of God. What is right is good. Am I right? And what is good is called right. What is good is right. What is right is good. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 6. See what the Lord says to the people of God in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 18. I hope I'm blessing you this morning. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy, are we there, chapter 6? Let's see verse number 18. What does the scripture say? Can we read together? Ye shall not tell the Lord your God. Praise God. No, I'm reading the wrong verse. Verse 18. I'm reading 16. 18. 18. Sorry. It says, and thou shalt do that which is what? Right and good in the sight of the Lord. Praise God. Do you see that there? Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 18. And thou shalt do, not just talk about it, not just hear it, not just study it, but do that which is right, number one. Number two, good. It should be right, number one. Number two, it should be good in the sight of the Lord. And then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Look at it. That it may be what? Well with it. No wonder the man was mighty. The man prospered. Why? Because he was doing that which was good in the sight of the Lord. So when you do that which is good in the sight of the Lord, that which is right, good and right in the sight of the Lord, the Bible says it may be well with thee. It is not there. And that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers. So you want to be prosperous? You want to possess your possession? You want to excel in life? You want to be victorious? Do that which is good and that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Don't be a man pleaser. Don't try to impress people. Don't be jumping around and trying to uh, 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 feel good because someone else is validating you. No, I don't care about your validation. Your approval is not, it's not, it's not relevant to me. What I'm, I'm focusing on right now is to do what? To do that which is good, to do that which is right, to do that which is pleasing in the sight of God. So listen to this now. True prosperity comes as a result of what? Pleasing God. Comes as a result of doing that which is right, comes as a result of doing that which is good. 45 way of prosperity is a lie. There is only one way to prosperity. Read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation and that way is obedient. That's all. If you obey, you will eat the good of the land. <laughs> you, you know that, right? Obedient. And this is what it just, we just read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 18. Hebrews chapter 13, 20 to 21 and verse 16. Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 13, are we there? Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13. Verse 20. Let's see verse 16 and then we go verse 20 to 21. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. What does it say? But to do good 
And to communicate, forget not. Don't forget to be good. Don't forget to communicate the truth. He says, for with such sacrifice, God is well what? Pleased. God is well pleased when you do good. God is well pleased when you communicate goodness. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 20 to 21. Now, the God of peace that brought again, I love this, I love this. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, look at what he has done. Make you perfect. How? Make you perfect in every good work to do his will. So the reason for Jesus coming is for you to be able to do the will of God. For the reason why you'll be able to be perfect is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He enables you to do his will, working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. You see that? His power will be working in you so that you and I will be able to do that which is pleasing in his sight. Through who? Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So you cannot please God all by yourself. Under this dispensation of grace and mercy, it is the Lord Jesus that will work in you to do his will. No wonder Paul could say, it is no longer I that live it, but Christ that liveth in me. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's why we need the Lord. We need the Lord. We need the Lord in every area of our life. Number two. Number two. Number two. The second thing that you ought to do to prepare yourself is to please God. Please God in every area of your life. When you please God in every area of your life, beloved, there's going to be a reward. Hallelujah. God wants us to please him. And we are instructed to please the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. Let's see that quickly. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. Hebrews 11. Hallelujah. When we talk about faith, sometimes people don't understand. Hebrews 11 verse 5. Are we there? It says, by faith, Enoch. You see that? We're talking about Enoch. Was translated that he should not see death he didn't die and was not found because there is a reason why he didn't die because god had translated him and the reason why he was translated he says look at it now for before his translation he had this testimony what is the testimony of enoch that he what that he what that he what no wonder god could take the man he pleased god wow wow how many of us will say, God, I can't wait to please you. God, help me to please you. To please you in every area of my life. Help me to please you in the way that I live. Please you with my body. Please you with my heart. Please you with my soul. Please you, God, wholeheartedly. Lord, not under pressure, but willingly I want to please you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 4 Thessal uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As believers, that should be our prayer. Lord, I want to please you. I want to live for you. I want to do your will. I want to obey you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1. Thank you, Lord. Can we read that? It says, furthermore then... We beseech you, brethren, take note of this, and exalt you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received 
of us how he ought to do what? He should what? Walk and to please God so he would abound more and more. You see that? When you walk and when you please God, you will abound how? More and more. So prosperity comes as a result of you pleasing God. Excellent come as a result of you pleasing God. He prepared his way before the Lord and God caused him to be mighty. So this is how you prepare yourself. You prepare yourself by living a life that pleases God. Look at chapter 2 verse 4. The same first Thessalonians chapter 2 verse number 4. Chapter 2 verse 4, what does it say? But as we were allowed of God to be put in the trust with the gospel, even so we speak, take note of this, not as pleasing men, look at it, not as pleasing men, but God. But God, which what? Trieth our hearts. We are pleasing God, not men, because he's the one that tries our heart. So you see what true Christianity is about. Hey, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I received my miracle. I received my healing. You are a prayer collector, miracle collector, healing collector. You joined the beggars' union. Prophet, prophesy. Man of God, lay your hand. Oh, pray for me, pray for me, prayer collector. But you never had time to please God. To you when they say, receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. The amen is louder. But when they say, you must be obedient. Ah, you see, pastor, don't go there, don't go there. You're, you're pinching the other brother or sister. You see, see, see where he's going. See, 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 see. Ah, you see. That's why I don't like to go to these churches. We're looking for those prophets. We're looking for those with anointing. When they come, they shake the place. No, they're not, they're not anointed. They are emotional speaker. They speak to your emotions. So you feel like, hey, God is moving. God is moving. Ah, uh, just move out of the church. As soon as the service is over, then you realize it wasn't God that was moving. It was your emotion that they were dealing with. Real believers, please God. Real children of God, they want to satisfy God. They want to, listen, they, they make sure, they say, God, we want to please you, not man. That's what they were saying. Praise the name of the Lord. And I love this, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. It says, I think if a man's ways please the Lord, he will even make his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs chapter 16, are we there? Verse 7. Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies. Can you imagine that? To be at peace with him. So pay attention now. Let me show you the theory. There are some enemies you ought not to fight them. No fighting. No. You see, we are the ones that are causing much trouble for ourselves as believers sometimes. We are so warfare-minded. These are the reasons why sometimes I don't, I don't buy into some of these churches. Every day, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Every day, warfare, warfare, warfare. Every day, pray. Every enemy, die. Let them die. Let them die. No, your Christian life is beyond killing people to die. Mm. Look what God is doing. Don't pay attention to them always. I'm not saying ignore them. No, don't take them for granted. That's not what I'm saying. But the Bible says, when a man's way, now follow me now, a man's way pleases the Lord, or you please the Lord, that enemy there that is ignored, the Bible says, God will cause him to be at peace with you. So your focus is the enemy? No! Your focus is what? On God! That's the theory. 
My focus is on God. He will that is why there are sometimes when you read the Bible, say you need not to fight against these ones. You hold your peace. Sometimes God will say, I have gone before you. And before they got there, the, the, the Bible said they find no man. Why? Because God is in charge. You are not God. God is in charge. And because he's in charge and he's almighty God, what you have to do is to surrender to him. Please him. Love him. Live for him. Do his will. And make sure your life is God-centered like this man. And when that is the case, you know what's going to happen? Life will no longer be a burden. Life will be pleasurable in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, walk in the ways of the Lord. Walk in the ways of the Lord. When you walk in the ways of the Lord, trust me, beloved, you're going to live a victorious, excellent life. You become mighty. Praise God. Look at Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. What did God say to Abraham? Genesis chapter 17 verse 1. Hallelujah. Genesis 17 verse 1. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Are we ready for this? And when Abraham was, can you imagine at this age, 90 years old and 99. In our own time, he said, I is old. But the Bible says when he was 99 years, the Bible says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. And what did God say? Walk before me. Look at this. Look at this. Very important. Walk before me and be that word perfect. Wow. This was the whole testament. And God said you will be perfect. In the New Testament now, our perfection is in Jesus Christ. Now look at what he's saying. Walk before me and be thou You see, this is the reason why I love Old Testament Christians. They were much more committed than our own time. What we do sometimes, we just glamour around grace. Oh, by grace, by grace. And then become, you become spiritually lethargic. You are lazy. You, you, you are lackadaisical. So it's all by grace, by grace. And, and I have nothing to do. That's why you easily fall into sin. You become very, very careless. There's no spiritual sanity. Why? Because you don't understand that grace is, 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 a, is, a, is a point. If I let me say this, grace by right brings you to a point of, of discipline and, and the fear of God. Now, the Bible says the grace had appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly laws that we ought to live out soberly. So grace by right is supposed to teach you to be more sober, more fearf about, uh, fearful about God, more committed, more holier, more pure, more sanctified. Now look at Abraham. Under the Old Testament, God is saying, walk before me and be, be that perfect. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, look at the opportunities there. Look at the opportunities there. Look at the privilege, the provision. And it says, when you do so, what's going to happen? I will make my covenant between me and you. That is me and thee. And will do what? I will multiply thee how? Exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, and on and on and on and on. Now look at this now. You see, God is such a wonderful God. He didn't say, walk before me and be perfect. I am God. And leave this place. No, that's not where it stops. It didn't stop there. He said, I want to come into agreement and alignment with you. Not only that, God says what? He says, I will increase you. He says, I will multiply you exceedingly. Imagine God is saying, I will do it exceedingly. Hey! You remember the Bible says, now unto him that is able to do what? Exceedingly, yes? 
abundantly, yes? Above all that you may ask or think. You see, all these things, we don't need to be breaking our head. Oh, Lord, you have promised me that you are able to do exceedingly. No, don't remind God about those things. God doesn't forget. All you have to do is to what? Walk before him and be that perfect. And you see that which is exceeding, praise God, that which is multiplying, that which is abundant will come after you. He says, surely his goodness and his mercy shall what? Follow thee. When and how? All the days of your life. So by right, all this doctrine of, oh Lord, prosper me, oh Lord, make it well for me, Lord, do this, Lord, do that, is a sign of unbelief in the sight of God. This doctrine of, of just prosperity, 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 without a biblical, theological balance, is a false, false doctrine. Because true biblical, godly principles of prosperity has to do with what? Obedience to God. It has to do with following after the principles of God. It has to do with loving God. Praise the name of the Lord. It has to do with you and I submitting ourselves with God. Walking with God. Walking with God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. You must walk with God. Walk with God. Walk with God. There are a lot of Christians out there. They don't want anything to do with God. But they want everything that God will give. Everything that God will give. Say, the Lord will bless you. Say, Amen. The Lord will heal you. Amen. The Lord will deliver. Amen. Repent and turn away from your sin. No amen for that. Ephesians chapter 4. Are we there? Verse 1. He says, I therefore, look at the way Paul puts it. I therefore, the prisoner, he called himself a prisoner of the Lord. Can we say that to God? The Lord, I'm your prisoner. Lord, imprison me to walk in righteousness. Imprison me to walk in obedience. Imprison me to walk in, in fear, in honor of you. He says, I beseech you that you walk out, walk worthy, walk worthy, walk worthy, worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. So we must walk worthy. Don't walk in an ungodly way. Don't walk in a selfish way. Don't walk with a, an interior motive, a negative concept, an hidden agenda. And you know, I'm doing this so that uh, uh, by the grace of God, I will have a sister in the church to marry. No, that's your agenda. That's not God's agenda. Oh, I'm doing this so that uh, I will be able to have some customers in the church so that they will come to my job and they will come to my business and at least my business will boom. No, that's an hidden agenda. Oh, I'm doing this, and you know, so that at least I'll get a job. Somebody will, will pick on me, and they will know all of that. Listen, serve God wholeheartedly. And he is the very one who is going to compel all these things that you need in this life to come after you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his word. And what's going to happen next? Not some, not few, but the Bible says all other things shall be what? Can you imagine that? I did. Unto you. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. 15. 5. 15. I'll take it from verse 14. Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise for the dead, for, from, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give the light. Verse 15. See then that ye walk how? Circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, 
be ye not only uh, unwise, but what? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Have an understanding of what the will of God is. Walk circumspectly according to the word of God. Because already there is no time anymore. Praise God. Walk circumspectly. Praise God. Not as fools, but the Bible says as wise. Redeeming the time. This is one dangerous aspect of our lives because you don't know the timing of God. Some people will have to live up to 50. Others will have to live up to 100. Others will have to live just to 20. How many of us know when we're going to die? Put your hand up. Let me know. God told you when you're going to die. No idea. That makes your life much more riskier. Which means that because you don't know that, if at any time, maybe God will say, tomorrow is your day. What are you going to do? If you haven't prepared for that, you haven't done all that God gave you to do, all the vision and all the assignment, you have not achieved or acquired anything, and then you realize God is saying, it's not too long anymore, you're going home. What would you be doing? Hey, come see cry. Lord, I didn't make it yet. Lord, I haven't done this yet. You see, these are the reasons why some people end up in eternity by surprise. God showed them all that they should have done, all that they should have achieved in life, and they haven't done any. And they realize, oh my goodness, what a wasted time, wasted opportunity, wasted gift, and wasted life. You will not go to heaven in regret in Jesus' name. But you will go to heaven accomplished. Dr. Miles Moore's late Miles Moore, he says, make sure you die empty. In other words, you pour yourself out there and give all that you should. So when you die, you're not going to be accountable before God for anything because you have given all that he gave to you for our world. Praise God. So you walk worthy, number one. Number two, you walk circumspectly. Number three, you walk in Christ and with Christ. First John chapter 2, verse 6. First John 2, verse 6. Praise God. Walk with God. Walk with God. Praise the name of the Lord. First John, walk with God. When you walk with God, life will not be a burden. Hallelujah. First John chapter 2. Are we there? Thank you, Jesus. We're going to look at verse number 6. Walk with God. Hallelujah. Walk worthy. Walk circumspectly, carefully. Redeem the time. Not as false. Praise God. And the Bible says that we must walk with Christ. First John chapter 2, verse number 6. Say, he that saith, he abided in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. If you say you abide in Christ, you are a child of God, you are of Christ, then you must walk in Christ. Then the Bible says, look at it, he that said he abided in him, that is in Christ, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Walk in Christ. Say you're a child of God. Live as a child of God. Talk as a child of God. Behave as a child of God. Dress as a child of God. Make sure you are a genuine child of God as you've confessed or you've said. Don't let the world in return point their fingers at you and say, ah, you say you are a Christian, but look at the way you behave. You can prepare yourself by walking circumspectly Walking worthy and also walking in the ways of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. How can you prepare yourself? You can also prepare yourself by being sincere. 
Sincerity, when you are sincere, wholeheartedly. Many of us were struggling, why? Because deep down in our heart, God knows that we're not sincere. You see a sister, you smile. You see a brother, you smile. But the smiling is a deceptive one. And God is saying, deep down in your heart, you know you don't like that brother or that sister. You know there is jealousy. You know there is deception. You know there is lying. You know there is manipulation. You know there is sin. You know there is worldliness. You know there is ungodliness. You are deceiving. You see, the worst level of deception is when you deceive yourself. Praise God. You believe that you are there. You know you are not there yet. You'll be surprised when at the end of it you realize that you are nothing. Look at Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs 28, 13. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 13. Thank you, Jesus. Are we there? Proverbs 28, 13. What does it say? Hallelujah. Proverbs 28. How can we prepare? This man was sincere unto God. We ought to live a sincere life. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Am I the one saying it? Is it in your Bible? So prosperity comes as a result of you being transparent, being sincere. But if you are covering your sin, the Bible says you will not. So let them give you one million principle of prosperity. As long as you are covering your sins, you won't prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh, you repent of it and you forsake it. You confess and you forsake them shall have mercy. The mercy of God is available. Listen, the cure for sin is available. If there were no mercy, if there were no cure, then you would have said, oh, you know what, I don't need to confess it. But there's a way out. It's like somebody that is sick and sickness, uh, uh, sin is like a sickness or a disease. And the cure for sin is what? Jesus, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. So the Bible says, he that covereth his sin, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. So if you really, really want to succeed in this life, do away with sin and deal with sin. Praise God. Because sin can stand as a stumbling block between you and God. Sin is the hindrance. In fact, sin is what gives an opportunity for the enemy to come in and launch at you. Praise God. Sin exposes you to calamities. Praise God. To the influence of demonic activities. The Bible says, he that covered it. If you continue to cover it, you continue to hide it, you continue to be deceitful, you continue to be a liar, you continue to walk in ungodliness. Today in the poem, tomorrow out of the poem. In the church, they know you are a Christian, they know you are a man of God, they know you are a woman of God, they know you are a believer, but out in the world, they know you look like you've never been to church. It's as if you've never heard the gospel message. Praise God. When in one place you are different uh, picture or color. At another place you have different picture and different color. Hallelujah. You become like chameleon. You are changing. Praise God. You are changing. Hallelujah. And then God looks at you and says, I know you more than you know yourself. You can deceive others, but you will never deceive God. Praise the Lord. Now, look at this. This man, look at the text in verse, uh, chapter 27. The Bible says, he prepared his ways before the law, which means that he was transparent before God. He was open before God. He was honest before God. And look up and look at me, please. Let me say this sincerely to you. Let me be honest and open to you this, in this area aspect of your life, of sin. Listen and listen well. How many of you are serving the pastor in the church? Put your hand up. You're serving the pastor. The pastor is your God. Put your hand up. 
How many of you are serving the church and uh, the church is your God? The members are your God. You are serving them or they are your savior. Put your hand up. Not a single one. Am I right? Now, who are you serving? Who is your God? Him alone. Now, he who is your God knows the deepest part of your life. He knows the secret, the intricacies of your life. He says, if you confess and you forsake, you are going to have mercy. So, you have no right to care about the next person. Do you understand me? Oh, I'm shy because if they know that I'm a liar, I'll feel bad. No, 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 no. You don't care about how they would think about you or what they would feel. No, no, no. It's not my... Listen, my problem... My problem of sin or your problem of sin is not your business, it's not my business because you cannot cure it. You cannot handle it. Even if I tell you that I, I'm, a, I'm a thief or I'm a liar, I'm a fornicator, I'm an adulterer, what can you do about that? Nothing. There's nothing absolutely. Thank you. The only way you can help is to go to God and pray for me. So if you are going to go to God to pray for me and God says I should confess it to him, I don't need you. Do you understand me? Forget about what people will say to you. Oh, you are a drunkard. Oh, you are a fornicator. Oh, you are a liar. You are an adulterer. Oh, you are a thief. God doesn't know about it. He knows. God knows. So these are the reasons why you make mistakes. Don't condemn yourself. Don't go cry yourself down. Don't go feel bad about other people or what they will say or what they think about me, how they feel about me, this and that and all these negative things. And these are the reasons why when you come to the presence of God now, you feel condemned. And the reason why you're always going to feel condemned is because you have not confessed it and you have not forsaken it. You are still holding on to it. And listen, one thing that is important today. The Bible says if you repent and you confess your sin, there are several scriptures that God promised you. He says, even though your sin, according to Isaiah 1, I think 19, 18, 19, your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be as crimson, they shall be as wool. He says, come and let us reason together. Can you imagine God is calling you to come and reason with him? It didn't stop there. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so will I remove your iniquity. I will pardon you. Say, I will remember them no more. He said, but pastor, you don't know. I just committed abortion a few months or a few weeks ago. If you can repent wholeheartedly and say, Lord, I am genuine. I am sincere. I am sorry. I made a mistake. But Lord, I beg you. I'm begging you, Lord, forgive me. God will forgive you. Listen. It is your husband that still keep record of your wrong. It is your wife that still have record in him. They have archives. It is your wife that have all the information. Oh, the church members. Oh, in fact, the pastor remember. Oh, this was what you did several years ago. And so something happens. Say, hey, yes, sis. Yeah, ha, yeah. You remember what you did several years uh-huh. ago. Bring your record. God says, I have wiped it away. So let me say this. If you are sincere unto God, just be sincere unto God. Listen, if you are sincere to God, you'll be sincere to men. Do you know that? If you are honest before God, you be, that's why I, 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 I explained that to you. Listen, my sin has no problem with you. You know why? Because it's with God. So I go to him and say, Lord, I am sorry. I am wrong. Do likewise. Lord, I am sorry. I am wrong. I know. I know God. I, I should not do this. Or I made a mistake. Or whatever the case for God, I repent because you are the one that have to forgive me. You know when you read your Bible and you look at people who made mistakes, Example like David. Huh? You may wonder. You may wonder. Why did God kill David? Why? 
David killed somebody. God had to have killed David. But God sent somebody, Nathan, to go speak to David. And David, in fact, out of his own mouth, he said, if, if, if such a man will do such thing, he should be killed. Right? <laughs> he didn't know he was talking about himself. And the prophet said, that was the man. He, he says, God. He, he, was, he was scared right away. As soon as they said, thou art the man, he was scared, he was fearful. He realized that, wow, I'm in trouble. So I'm the very man. And that was when David was on sackcloth. He was praying. He was repenting. He was begging God. David, listen, do you know how many kinds of sin David commits? You know the amount of sin that David committed? David numbered Israel. David committed, he committed several sins that there was a time where he wanted to build the house of God. God says, no, your hands are full of blood. You are not qualified. The man who is not qualified to build a house for God is the same man after God's own heart. Why? David was always quick to say, Lord, I'm sorry. He was always quick to say, Lord, I am sincerely sorry. Lord, I am wrong. Lord, I beg you. Lord, Lord, I did, I did. I committed fornication. I committed adultery. I committed abortion. I drank alcohol. Oh yes, I, I touched that thing I should not have touched. I go to that place. Oh Lord, it is true. It is true. My sins are ever before thee. I was reading an account when the Bible says that David walked upright with the Lord and the only place where David was guilty was the death of Uriah. And I'm like, God, what happened to all the other things that he did? Listen, beloved. God is genuine, so must be genuine to him. God is honest, be honest to him. God is sincere, be sincere to God. God is open, be open to God. So we must be sincere. That's a way to prepare your ways before the Lord. Another thing is that you should be humble. Second to last, you must be humble. Humility is the way to prepare, you prepare yourself to God. If you are not humble, you are going to hurt yourself. If you are not humble, you are going to do what? To hurt yourself. Be humble. Don't be pompous. Oh, I know. Who does he think he is? Or oh, oh, nobody tell me what to do. Or oh, I don't like when you try to control me. Or oh, stop telling me that. Or oh, this. No, you, you are not humble. When you think you know and so you, you underestimate others, you look at them one way or you look at the pastor otherwise or the pastor's wife is like, oh, you know, or will be tidy if your pastor is uneducated and you are doctor this, that, that, and you come to the pastor and excuse me, and uh, you know the last time we spoke about certain things and uh, what are you trying to do? Control the pastor. Control the church. Control God's people. You try to intimidate others. You belittle them. You try to shatter someone else's self-esteem. You despise them. God watched you. He watched the way you talk, the way you sing, the way you preach, the way you dress, the life you live. And he sees that all of this is born out of pride and ego, self-centeredness. It's not to his own glory. Look at the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4. Proverbs 22 verse 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. Humility. Every child of God ought to be humble. Humble. Humble to say I am wrong. Humble to say yes. Humble to say no. Humble to say please. Humble to respect others. Never you ever think that you are better off than someone else. 
Proverbs 22. I wonder why people fight in churches. Because they are ignorant of the word of God. Are we there, Proverbs 22? Look at verse number 4. This verse beats me down. Every time I go to this verse, I realize, Lord, I'm nothing in your presence. Lord, please. I am only something by your grace, but I'm nothing, Lord. Help me. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Can we read together after to go? By humility. Do you see humility there? And what? The fear of the Lord. Be humble to fear God. Respect God. Fear God. Trust Him. By humility and the fear of the Lord, what do you discover? The Bible says, are riches and honor and life. The day God opened my eyes on this verse, I'm like, wow. So really, riches and honor and, and what? Life doesn't come not just by laboring, but it comes by what? Humility and the fear of the Lord. These are the reasons why there are some people, when God raised them up, even you yourself, you are surprised. You say, but God, this guy, this particular one, what you don't know is that the guy is broken, he's humble, he's dead in the hand of God. God can turn him anyhow and say, ah, these are the kind of people that will elevate but there are those, if God says turn right, he says, why? Why? Uh-huh. Why do you want me to turn right? What does that concern me? And God said, turn right. If I don't want to turn right, don't force me. Don't force me. And God said, turn right. Let me give you some clear instruction. You remember what happened to Jesus and the disciple Peter, the first encounter. He said, I've done this all three days and night. I caught nothing. And Jesus says, just drop it on the right side of the boat. You catch. And, and he, he wanted to, to, to talk and he ended up saying, he says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let that. Nevertheless. In other words, he, he tried to explain himself, all his logic, all, all his profession, and this, I've been doing this for years, and I know nothing is going to come out of this. He don't know who he was talking to. Jesus says, on the right side, just throw it there. He says, nevertheless, at thy will. Praise God. Hallelujah. You remember Naaman, the captain of Syria, the Syria army, with leprosy. They took him to Elijah. And he had leprosy. He says, go and wash seven times in the Jordan River. Ah, oh God, prophet. Are you, you don't have respect for me. I'm the captain of the Syrian army. See my prestige, my name, if I'm my title, my respect, my honor. And I, I, I mean, you have the, the audacity to tell me to go wash. Am I dirty? Even though it's leprosy. What a disrespect. What a dishonor. One of the servants said, Oh God, please, you want to get healed? Eh? Go wash. Please, sir, go wash. When he got there, he goes down. The first one. In fact, he said, Are there no other better rivers than the Jordan? Because Jordan looks dirty and smelly. So why? Why Jordan? Send me somewhere. I'm too big for Jordan. He says, Go to Jordan. That's where God sent you. So he goes down the first one. Second one, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, nothing. Say, this Elijah, if I came out, nothing happened. Yeah, I'll deal with you today. <laughs> the seventh time when he came out, he realized that he had brand new skin. Can you imagine the mystery of God in obedience and humility? The man was humble to his miracle. Many people have not received their miracle yet because they are still proud still proud. They want to tell God what to do and how to do it. And God is saying, you're still playing God until you shut up before I begin to speak. But we cannot be God together. We're not contemporaries. It's either you shut up and let me speak. 
It's either you resign and let me do it, but we cannot do it together. I am God and you are not. He said to the children of Israel, be still and know that I am God. The detail you see today, you see them no more forever. They say, ah, Moses, it should have been better. You have left us in, in Egypt. We rather die. We rather die in Egypt. And God says, Moses, stretch forth the rod. Before they realize, wow, this, they, they, they saw that which they have never seen in their entire, entire life. The Red Sea divided. This is a mystery. And then, can't see, can't see the mystery now. Moses said, God said to Moses, tell the people to go forward. <laughs> God, go forward to where? You see, water on this left, water on the right. And then, uh, you see the seabed, dry, dry, dry. The Bible says, Israel walked on dry ground. Not on swamp. There are some things that are in your Bible that, that are mysterious, but you don't pay attention to them. Imagine that seabed. That, that, that red sea has been there for years. Now the thing just parted, and then you see dry ground. He make it the crooked path straight. He will make a way in the wilderness. A place that seems to be no way, he makes a way. And then the guys were like, no, Moses, no. And you know how God got them in there? God says, okay, since they are faithless, they still could not believe. Egyptians, come, come, come closer. <laughs> then the Egyptians were coming. They closer, they said, ah, 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 ah. these guys, if they catch us, went up. we rather go in. You see, these people were so unbelieving. Their unbelief were so solid. It was so grounded to the extent that the mystery, the miracle of God was terrifying to them. They could not believe. Now they were afraid of the miracle of God because they thought they were going to drown, they were going to die. It was the fear of the Egyptians that pushed them into the, 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 the path in between the Red Sea. That's how they escaped. When you are humble, the Bible says three things. You are humble, right? And you fear the Lord. Three things are going to happen. You are going to be rich. Riches are going to come. Honor is going to come. And life. Those are the three major elements in humanity that you need. You need riches, praise God. You need honor, and you need life. And these three, riches has to do with every area of your life. Riches ought to be holistic. Honor ought to be holistic. Life ought to be holistic. Praise God. So, if you pay attention to what God is doing, your life will never be the same. Just be humble, and humility will help you to prepare your way before the Lord. And then, the third point is that you must be committed. Be committed to the Lord. When you are committed to the Lord, trust me, God will see you through. Psalm 37, Psalm 37 verse 5. Psalm 37. Are we there? Psalm 37 verse number 5. Verse 5. 37 verse 5. It says, commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So when you are committed, at the end you will commit your ways to God. Commit your ways to God. Commit your decision to God. Commit your marriage to God. Commit your wife, your husband, your children. Commit that exam. Commit that business. Commit that job. Commit that traveling. Commit every area unto God. He will bring it to pass. Proverbs 16, Proverbs 16, verse 3. Proverbs 16, verse 3. 
Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 3. We're almost there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Proverbs 16, are we there? Verse number 3, what does it say? Commit thy works unto the Lord. We read about thy ways, right? Now we saying thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be what? Established. You know, that was your vision, your plan, your, your desire, whether your goal, long or short term goal. When you commit that works unto the Lord, the Bible says it shall be established. Don't do it by yourself. Don't try. You say, oh, I'm just managing. I'm just doing my best to make ends meet. No, God doesn't want you to make ends meet. God wants you to excel. God doesn't make ends meet. God do things in an excellent manner. Well, I'm just managing. God doesn't want you to manage your life. The Bible says you shall be the head and not the tail. He wants you to enjoy life. Life ought not to be a body. Praise God. And finally, the last point is that when you prepare your way unto the Lord, there's going to be reward. There's going to be reward. I'm just going to read these few scriptures. Some of them I will give you and then we're going to pray. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 40. There's going to be reward. Deuteronomy 4 40. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 40. We're almost done. Give me two minutes and I'm done. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Are we there? Chapter 4. Verse number 40, praise God. It says, Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may what? Go well with thee. So when you keep the commandment of God, you obey the word of the Lord, things are going to be well with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And with thy children after thee, you see, so you obedient to the Lord, your obedience makes opportunity of uh, brings provision or open heavens for your generation yet unborn, your children and even your children, children, praise God hallelujah, uh, it says and it says, let me go back again, it says thou shalt shall keep therefore the statutes and his commandment which I command thee this day that it may be well with thee and with thy children after thee, praise God, you see that there, and that thou mayest prolong wow, long life, prolong thy days upon the earth which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Longevity comes as a result of obedience. Praise God. Longevity comes as a result of what? Obedience unto the Lord. You will not die in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Please be fast. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse number 12. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse number 12. What does it say? It says, Though a sinner do evil and hundred times, look at this one. Though a sinner do evil and hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear the Lord. It shall be well with them that what? That fear the Lord, which fear before him. It shall be well with you in the name of Jesus. Write Isaiah chapter 3, verse number 10. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 22. Titus chapter 3 verse 8. Let's see Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10 and we're going to pray. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10 and we're going to pray. Thank you Lord. Hallelujah. Are we ready for this? It says, say ye to the righteous. Say to the righteous. Say to the righteous brother. The righteous sister. The righteous family. Those who are prepared, they were way before the Lord. What's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to the righteous? What is supposed to happen to us? What does it say? That it shall be well with you. Praise God. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Doings. 
that doing is the preparation before the Lord. When you walk in the righteousness of God in Christ, you prepare yourself before the Lord. The Bible says, it shall be well with you. And let me say this, beloved. This man was able to excel. The Bible says, he prepared his ways before the Lord. The Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Preparation for excellence is centered on your obedience to God. Can we pray? Let's talk to the Lord right now. It may have been that you have not been obedient. You've not been faithful. You've not been humble. You've not been living right, doing right, being good, being humble, being kind, being sincere, being faithful. Talk to the Lord right now. Talk to the Lord. He prepared his way before the Lord. He became mighty. To be mighty is not just to speak in tongues. It's to be humble. It's to be sincere. It's to walk right with God. It's to be good according to God's word. It's to live a life that pleases God. And be at the center of God's will. Talk to the Lord. Ask him for mercy. Remember, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh, the Lord shall have mercy. Forget about what people will say about you. Talk to your God. Your God says, tell me, explain, repent, forsake, confess. There is mercy available. Lord, help me to prepare. Prepare in every area to walk in obedience, to be faithful, to walk in righteousness, to walk circumspectly, to walk with Christ. Praise God, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Talk to the Lord right now. Is there any form of pride? Is there any form of disobedience? Sin, secret sin, personal sin. Is there rebellion in your heart? You love the world much more than you love your God. And so you cannot please God anymore. Preparation for excellence has to do with first the presence of God, your relationship with God first. You can excel by pleasing God, excel by being obedient to God, living the life that is worthy in the sight of God. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do 
without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. Oh God, I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. Oh Lord, Lord, I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. Oh God, do something new in my life. Something new in my life. Something new. Something new in my life. Something new in my life. Something new in my life. Oh, I cannot do. Let's 
city upon the mountain, a young man that go into the forest and build castles and towers. A man that faces enemies and battles and he won. The man had all around victory. He had all around success. He had all around prosperity. There was all around excellence upon him. Why? The Bible says he did that which was right in your sight. The Bible says, Lord, he prepared his ways before you. Help us to do that which is right. Help us to do the right thing. Help us to live the right life. Help us to go to the right places. Help us to have the right friends and relationship. Help us, oh God, to, to, to get involved in the right projects. That which is right in your sight. Help us, oh God, to prepare. Not to be complainers, 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 talkative, blame gamers. We're blaming other people instead of not being responsible. Father, grant unto us the grace to be at the center of your will. Grant unto us the grace to understand your plan and purpose for our lives. Give us the understanding and insight in life. So that, Lord, in humility and in the fear of the Lord, oh God, Lord, riches, honor, and life will be our portion. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. We know you are the unlimited, unsufficient God. The unlimited and the all-sufficient God. Father, we have limited you. As your word says, oh God, the people limited you, the all-wise God, the almighty, because of their unbelief. Lord, don't let us die in our unbelief. Don't let us die. Don't let us die in our fear and doubt. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we realize ourselves. Open our eyes to know you deeper and better. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we discover that prosperity is not just about our effort, our labor. But true, sincere prosperity is coming from you. Prosper us, O God. Help us to be at the center of your word in the name of the Lord Jesus. Prosper our spirit, prosper our body, prosper our soul, prosper our finances, prosper our business, prosper our church, prosper our marriage, prosper our family members, prosper us in every area of our lives in Jesus' name. That it take all the glory, take all the honor. In Jesus' name. Those of you who are watching us, if you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus, can I pray with you right now? Can you say this with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you. I'm sorry for all my sin and all that I have done wrong. Have mercy upon me. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died for me. You were in the grave. On the third day, you rose from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I covenant my spirit, my soul, my body unto you. Thank you for saving me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? God bless you this morning.